This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The game's greatest telenovela is about to come to an end. Conmebol South American World Cup qualifiers reach the final two matches. And we'll find out exactly who will join Brazil and Argentina to Qatar the World Cup. We have a great, great cast today. Melissa Ortiz returns and Jaime Macias, his debut for the show. Kigo Lasso, Conmebol World Cup qualifiers begin right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegolasso. Thank you so much for being part of the family. CBS Sports app, CBS Sports website, Kegolasso pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso, and wherever you listen to your pods. We are going hard in this international break. We've already done UEFA. We're going to do the Africa qualifiers, but today, very special because it's about my continent, our continent, Conmebol, South American World Cup qualifiers. So, so tasty. Before we get going, I want to welcome my guest. And it's the return of Melissa Ortiz, an Olympian, former player, a presenter, a host. She's done so much. She also has, by the way, a coffee company, Kickoff Coffee Co. It's so good. I was lucky enough to drink some of the Peruvian beans. It was amazing. And also, by the way, she's going to be hosting the watch party in NYC as part of Paramount Plus's USA Mexico, USA at Mexico game. Melissa, how are you? What's up? What's up? Great. Everything is great here. Uh, anxious, uh, nervous uh, for this Comable World Cup qualifier. Of course, the last matches. I'm Colombian. So, of course, I'm nervous, but uh, happy to be here with you both. Uh, an honor to, to be back on the show. And I'm sweating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, Melissa, I, I was going to say, like, me and you are going to be sweating throughout this episode. We're going to be nervous. But you know who's really relaxed? Jaime Macias from Ecuador, who, by the way, is so happy these days, I am sure. Jaime Macias, of course, if you don't know his work, How Dare You Football, Infinito, his great podcast as well, MLS in Español. He's a you know a play-by-play call as well, co-commentator, a tremendous encyclopedia of football <laughs> and the game, and a very good friend. Jaime, ¿cómo estás, compadre? How are you, my friend? Welcome to the show for the first time. How are you doing, Luis? Melissa, uh, thanks for having me. A pleasure talking to you, as always. We met a long time ago. We had met in all the road, and it's always super fun talking to you. Absolutely, and it's great. Uh, both of these two fine people are my friends as well. So, as always, it's always great, always great uh, to join in and have a conversation. But today, we get down to business. We talk about South America. We're not kidding when we say, look, this CONCACAF stuff, all right, whatever. UEFA, okay, super easy. South America <laughs> is really the toughest side of things, not just because of opposition, but the climate, you know, the geographical situation, you know, from La Paz to Barranquilla, uh, you know, the, the hostile environments, this is it. And obviously, let's begin both of you, with the current state of play. Des Norris, our producer, will show the table on the screen as we look to finalize everything. Brazil and Argentina. I think the story in many ways ends uh, the way that many of us 
predicted Jaime, Brazil and Argentina yet to lose a game. They are already at the World Cup. And obviously, if you are following these qualifiers throughout, you know exactly what to get from them. But for people that don't know, how have you assessed Brazil and Argentina during these qualifiers? And what versions of them can we expect at the World Cup? Just how good are these two teams, Jaime? They are uh, the best of their performance. It's going to be the first time, or possibly it's going to be the first time in the whole South American qualifier history where we finish with two unbidden teams with this format. That haven't happened before. And, and Brazil is a team, or, or can be the team, that scored the most points. So that's the performance that they are that they are showing. Uh, Brazil is in another league. Like in, in this uh, growth of all the confederations, the only South American team that make a jump and that's still competing at the elite of the world is Brazil by the name of the players and, and and you see they are dominating also the South American tournaments with uh, with their club uh, league and Argentina they are the Copa America winners um, and nobody's pegged them to be this strong at this stage of the qualifier and they have missed some players in a couple of games and everybody was saying okay now with out of this and that player they're going to struggle and they didn't and they didn't they are again a solid team Let's not forget that for these games, Argentina is not going to uh, have the players who were suspended after the game in Brazil. That they are going to be back for that game when that game resumes in an in an unknown location in June. So those players are not going to be playing. The goalkeeper from your team, uh, Divo Martinez. Yeah, Divo Martinez. I think Emiliano Wendy is suspended as well for that one. Giovanni Lo Celso as well. And um, I think there's one more. Christian Romero, I believe, is the other one. But Melissa, as, uh, um, as Jaime was talking about, this is historic because never have we ever had a qualifying campaign in South America where they will end it with not losing a single game. Now we have two right now at this moment. Uh, how do you see both Brazil and Argentina? How have you seen them throughout this uh, competition? Well, throughout the whole competition, uh, you've seen the best of what South America can offer. And what's beautiful about it is that, you know, all eyes uh, are, you know, on, on the European squads. But when you have two South American teams that are going to be able to obviously compete, but have a chance at winning the World Cup just later this year, uh, it's extraordinary because they've proven what they've been able to do in the South American continent. Um, and and that, that goes with like you said, all of the factors that go into South America, the the temperature, you know, the travels, the altitude changes, you're going from extreme levels, y'all. And like, as a former player myself, and I've played in Ecuador, I've played in uh, Peru, I've played in Colombia. And when you go from one place to another, it's not easy. And they've shown that they've been able to handle this. So Brazil and Argentina, what they've done amidst COVID, and even those four players, uh, Emi Martinez, uh, Buendia, Cristian Romero, Lo Celso, like what they did in Brazil and that 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 game was is postponed and they're going to play it in June uh, against COVID regulations of what they did. I mean, they still have proven themselves successful. And it's it's just it's it's incredible what they've done, honestly. It's absolutely amazing. I believe that a combined uh, Argentina and Brazil, they've scored 55 goals. Uh, they haven't lost a single game. Coach Chiche is about 
to say goodbye, uh, obviously, after the World Cup. So Brazilians, I believe, even though they've already won it, they're going to uh, want to end this uh, window in, in a positive way, of course. A lot of Premier League-based talent as well. Coutinho, Rafinha, of course. Uh, Ederson is not going from Man City, but Allison. They have all their teams. Neymar wants to release some of the pressure from PSG and, and get some of his game. Ajax is Anthony. I mean, this is just an embarrassment of riches. Before we move on, and we will talk about uh, Brazil's next game, which is against Chile, and we will talk about Chile's situation in a second. But Jaime, very quickly, what do you expect? What do you expect from them if you were to have a crystal ball and, and how they would do at the World Cup? Do you see one doing better than the other one? Do you see perhaps maybe because South American nations in Russia didn't do that great, especially mm -hmm. uh, from a Brazilian perspective? What do you expect if we were to predict what was to happen in the World Cup? I think Brazil has learned from what happened in, in, in Russia because to win the World Cup, you don't need to get to the World Cup as the best team. You need to pick at the World Cup. Mm. Um, and that happened with France and that happened with all the world champions we have seen in the previous year. And nobody can discuss that Brazil in 2016 and in 2017 was probably the best team in the world. But they lost their momentum when they got to the World Cup and they didn't perform. And I think that Tite, it's trying because it's not something that you just do, move a switch and you can do it because you depend on a lot of factors on how the players are doing on, on their teams, what tournaments are you playing, who are you facing on your friend list. But Tite is trying to manage this team for them to have like a lower curve, if that's something that Brazil can, can, can have. But that's what he's trying for the team to pick at the World Cup. And... and that happened to everybody. Like, I'm not going to change topic, but look Peru. Peru got to the World Cup, 14 games unbidden, and they lost the first game, and they didn't go through groups. So I think that's Thank what they are doing. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. Thank it you. Was, it was <laughs> the best context I can give. But I think that's what Brazil is trying to do. And Argentina learned from what happened with Bielsa in, 20, in, in 2002. It's like, you got to pick at the World Cup, not yeah. getting get to the World Cup as the best team. Yeah, I, I agree. You definitely have to peak at the World Cup for sure. But you also have to think, what's the preparation for it? How how do you set yourself up to peak for the World Cup, right? And yeah, Brazil's already in, Argentina's already in. But the question is, what is Brazil going to do in these, in these last games? And what is Argentina going to do in these last games? Are they just going to cruise and be like, hey, let's play the younger squads, get them some minutes? Or are they going to say, hey, let's play our players, let's let's dominate let's show that we're number one in south america uh and let let not let argentina you know kind of trickle their way up even closer to us i'm speaking for brazil but you know it's, it's interesting because even uh lucas paqueta said that they know that chile which is their 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 next game right uh they know that chile is gonna be playing the game of their life literally chile needs to win right but even with that being said, they are using these games as preparation so that they set themselves up for success in the World Cup. So, y'all, don't expect Brazil and Argentina to be cruising. This is South America, the literally most aggressive competition on planet Earth in the football world. And so I expect like a full out battle, even from these two that are already qualified uh, at the World Cup. There is no chance in this world that Brazil or Argentina are going to put their foot off the pedal. No chance. They are going to go all out, 100%, Meli and Jaime. And, and partly it's also because Brazil has never lost a qualifier at home. There's no way that they're going to allow that uh, right now. But you, you said rightly, obviously, 
about Chile. We'll get to that in a second, but let's keep going down that table because Jaime can be smiling even bigger right now. Uh, let's look at that table once again. But Ecuador, Ecuador, a team with so much talent, so much potential, who often, more often than not, Jaime has always, you know, kind of disappointed the fan base. But look at this. I believe, and I'm sure that you can correct me, but I believe a win against uh, Paraguay and that's it. You're good to go. And they can't really end anything lower than fifth, I believe. How good is this Equatorian side? They don't care about the opponent at all. They're in your face 24-7. They're amazing. And it's a big surprise how the team performed. Let's not forget, uh, Luis and Meli, that uh, Gustavo Alfaro was appointed less than a month before the qualifiers started. The, the, the previous coach, Jordi Cruyff, never managed a game. Yeah. He got in the middle of the pandemic and, and, and he never managed a game. He resigned when the opportunity to go to Barcelona appeared and, and uh, Gustavo Alfaro took the team. And uh, Ecuador had... in most of the games an average 24 year old squad on the pitch so that's uh, that, that's a showing of, of very what the young. team has yeah. uh, i'm a very i'm very close to stats as everybody knows uh and i never want to say something had happened until the numbers prove it but in this case luis it's almost impossible they could to be out basically because um chile that is the one that can push him down is playing in brazil where nobody had won in the history of the South American qualifiers. Peru is facing Uruguay, which means both cannot win that game. Um, and then Ecuador have a 14 and a 13 goal average difference with both teams. So it's going to be a hard game for Ecuador to tomorrow, like to concentrate. Like what are they playing? Are, are they already in or they are playing for the quali for the, for, for the spot? And mentally, it's going to be a difficult situation, but the math proved that another thing. <laughs> yeah, Ecuador is in the best possible situation where, you know, you are pretty much already qualified. It's more like enjoy the moment, get the point, right? All you need to do is, is tie, really, to qualify and focus on how to best prepare your team for who's going to get called up for the World Cup. Um, and this is a squad, like Jaime said, that is very young. Um, they've also set themselves up for success. But if you think about this squad, and look, they've come out of nowhere, right? Uh, nobody expected this. If you would have asked us a few years ago who would qualify in like the top three or four positions, I don't think many people had Ecuador in their in their predictions, uh, which is absolutely fascinating. And, and to think about how Gustavo Alfaro has really found his starting 11 um, in such a short time with with players that are mostly 25 years and younger, uh, but then also have these veteran players where it really counts. I mean, this mixture of players that they have is literally the best recipe of ingredients that you want in a squad. Youthful yeah. players, but then you have your veterans who are in those best fit positions to make an impact, but also user leadership and experience like uh, Ener Valencia. Um, but then you have Mikel Estrada, who is on a goal scoring run in, in World Cup qualifiers. Um it's a strong team, athletic team, very fast, uh, and they are able to outpace not only national teams in South America, but when it comes to World Cup, to Qatar, uh, they'll be able to outpace teams there unexpectedly. Uh, so, yeah, don't sleep on Ecuador. And I'm not just saying for these World Cup qualifiers for these next two games, don't sleep on them during Qatar, during the World Cup. Uh, they'll be that dark horse there. Luis, yeah. the, 
I have a lot of questions about like everybody asking why and how and where these players came from and why this happened. And and I think this gives us a little context on South America and, and what we're going to talk further down the road. But South America is coming out of probably their best generation in history as a continent. Like I'm not comparing James with Valderrama or or uh, Messi with Maradona, but never in the history of South America, all the, the national teams had a great generation at the same time. Like we had Suarez, Vidal, Antonio Valencia, Paolo Guerrero, eh, Juan Arango, Salomón Rondón, Falcao James. So what happened in national teams when you have a golden generation? You try to extend it as much as you can. Yeah. And it gets to a point with those generations collapse. It happened to Peru on the road to 2010 to 2014. That's why Gareca get these new guys and the team performance it performed going to Russia. This happened to Ecuador also at the end of the previous qualifier and that's why they got a blank paper to start working with these players. That haven't happened yet to Uruguay because if you see the Uruguay squad, it's basically the team that get the semifinals in, in South Africa. That haven't happened to Chile. It's basically the, the Bielsa team and that haven't happened to, to Colombia yet. Colombia <laughs> when Rea tried to change some players and the team didn't perform, he started bringing back the players that qualified the Peckerman team to, to, to 2014. So that's something that we got to understand on why things are changing in so uh, so dramatically in South America. Yeah, no, absolutely. Just uh, the final point on Ecuador, by the way, I think. And also, it's relative to what you're saying, Jaime and Meli as well, is that a lot of these players now are getting even more opportunities outside of the continent. I mean, when you look at Estupiñan and Plata playing in La Liga and other places like that, it helps them understand, at the very least, the diversity in opposition. But take note, especially what Meli just said about Ecuador. Do not underestimate this team. And I believe, as our producer Desnores has said, one point. One point will do, and they should be fine. And Jaime is saying, no, unless the numbers are there to be proven, I will not say it. But feeling very optimistic, of course. All right, well, let's move on here, and let's talk about... Melly, I'm sorry, but it's come to that oh, time. God. Oh, God, here we go. Colombia, Los Cafeteros, have always been known to be so exciting, riveting. I mean, you know, uh, Jaime mentioned Carlos Valderrama, but we can talk about El Tigre. Falcao, I mean, so many great players. And Colombia has always had this knack of being exciting, exhilarating. At the very least, if they're going to concede goals, they're going to score. But that's not what's happened so far. They actually haven't scored since September. A seven-game drought where they haven't scored in qualifiers. It's unbelievable. And now, unfortunately, Meli, qualification is out of their hands. Obviously, Bolivia-Venezuela matches my help. But now they have to rely on other people. Talk to me about Colombia. What's gone wrong? What's happening? Oh man, I should uh, I should have brought some candles here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you have to turn on the candles because just like you said, we need a damn miracle at this point. Uh, and exactly that. Like, not only do does Colombia need to win, but we have to rely on other results to happen in our favor to put us in a spot to qualify. Now you ask what has happened, right? We're known as a team that's vibrant, right? That scores goals, that celebrates, that dances, that the stadiums are packed with energy. Yet without a goal being scored since September of World Cup qualifiers, we've lost all of that. We've lost the energy. We've lost the fan uh, support. There's also been drama against that. Uh, whereas in, in, in one of the, la the previous games, 
you know, the fans were very angry. I think it was when Colombia lost against Peru in Barranquilla in Colombia. And the fans were, were, were furious. And so they obviously reacted in a way against the players. And James went back and kind of shouted at them. Not, not the greatest thing to do to your fan base. But this is just painting the picture of what's happening in Colombia. You know, it's just uh, the Colombian... Uh, people are are losing faith in their own players in a time where we have players <laughs> like we are we have a stacked roster. Cuadrado, uh, Luis Diaz is at Liverpool now, who is doing incredible. Um, James, but James is not in a in a in a good moment. So this is a problem, and that we have the players, we have the roster, but we're not able to find that create those creative opportunities to score. Uh, the worst campaign in 26 years, as you say, and it's just it, it, it's sad. But you know, we're hoping for for good expectations. You know, we obviously need a win. Um, here's here's the layout. Uh, Uruguay needs to tie Peru. Uh, Chile needs to lose to Brazil, <laughs> and then in the last match day, Chile needs to beat Uruguay, and then Peru can't beat Paraguay. So, guys, like this is all math. Like, get out your math book and your calculators. That's what we're we're relying on at this point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, I, I imagined this scenario before giving my team on Colombia. I think that Peru is gonna get the upper hand at the last date, okay? But whoever scores first is gonna put a lot of pressure on the other two. Like, if Colombia score first, they got the upper hand. Even though the, the standings will say something different at the beginning of the day, but whoever scores the first goal is going to put a lot of pressure. Look, I'm going to start with saying that Reinaldo Rueda is one of the best managers in South America. And it's unlucky that the two times he got to manage Colombia, he get he got there with the house on fire. Like Colombia had lost four games the first time he got there. This time, Colombia was coming from a 6-1 defeat against Ecuador. And he tried to put the things together. He tried to bring some players, new players to the national team. Let's not forget that Reinaldo Rueda is the one who, who put Luis Diaz on the starting 11 of the Colombia national team. But at the same time with Luis Diaz, he put Rafael Santos Borre as a striker and he gave the keys of the team to Juan Fernando Quintero. Like Rueda was trying to refurbish this team. What happened in that process? Well, Diaz performed as, he, as we see him now at Liverpool. But Quintero decided to go to China. Then he didn't get the visa. He was like six months without playing. Colombia started underperforming. Santos Borrell never got an impact on the starting 11. Um, and what happened when you're trying to change a team and the guys you brought in are not performing? You got to bring back the other ones. So your your process just breaks in half. And, and what started like... An unlucky team, because if you see the first two games where Colombia draw nil-nil, you see the game is it's impossible that this game was not won because of the amount of opportunities Colombia create. And then that hurt your morale, hurt your confidence. And the last games, it's it's a team that is clearly in panic mode. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree with you. And I... Do not blame Reinaldo Rueda whatsoever. He's literally give it, rolled the carpet for players uh, their chance. You know, when people said, hey, why isn't Hamas playing? Why isn't he getting called up, you know, after his whole ordeal from Everton to now Rayan in Qatar? He did what I think any coach would do. Give the opportunity, give the shot, and gave 
Quintero shot as well. But I think kind of what you said, Jaime, before, like this generational mix as well as like keeping the veterans uh, may have affected them. But at the same time, you know, he's Falcao is not in this World Cup qualifier stage, so it's giving the opportunity to to Borja uh, or uh, Santos Borre. But man, uh, if if Colombia does not qualify, which is at this point expected by majority of the population in Colombia, it's going to be a a big Debbie Downer. Um, not only in the world football, but like for the, for the country in general at this yeah. at this slate in the game. It would be massive, massive to not see Colombia at the World Cup. I think in many ways, uh, Reinaldo Rueda has done what he's done because even though we've talked about that seven-game drought, but also Colombia have been pretty good defensively. It's just that the offensive side of things have not worked out. I have some bad news. And I have some bad news. And I'm not going to go to South American history and Simon Bolivar and all that stuff. But the three of us, we have played a lot of World Cups, but we have never been in the same World Cup, the three of us. Yeah. So, I think we need to move Brazil and Argentina a, to Europe and then maybe we can do it. That's <laughs> a historic real. fact. <laughs> yeah, that's true. If one if two or if one or two makes it, the other one doesn't. So that's true. Uh, but regardless of what's happened, Colombia, as uh, we all mentioned here, they're in seventh place right now, 17 points. Uh, you know, they are four points away from uh, the intercontinental spot. So a lot to do. We're going to take a break, everybody. When we come back... Well, it's time for me to sweat because we'll talk about uh, clearly, arguably, even for the neutral, the game of the window uh, as uh, fourth place fifth in Montevideo, Uruguay against Peru. And of course, we'll talk about Chile, uh, some good news perhaps about, you know, what's happening later on as well in the qualifiers. Final thoughts and that will be it. Kigo, Lasso, South America, World Cup qualifiers, Jaime Macias, Melissa Ortiz, LME. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Kiego Lasso. This is our South American World Cup qualifiers, uh, Jaime Macias and Meli Ortiz. Don't forget to follow all of them, of course, on Twitter, social media, of course, and respectively where they do their good, good work. All right, guys, let's talk about uh, it has to happen anyway. So I'm not even going to I'm going to try not to comment as much because it's too nervous for me. But Uruguay hosting Peru. Let's begin with you, Jaime. Uruguay, of course, have had to go through a transition. Oh, I'm sorry. That's right, Des Norris. Well, I probably should get paid and get that bonus. Don't forget about CONCACAF, of course, as Mexico hosts the USMNT on Paramount+. 
plus uh, some CONCACAF action there at the Azteca. Unbelievable action. The whole team is there at the Azteca. And we got some watch parties. Of course, Meli Ortiz will be hosting one in NYC as part of our Golazo team, of course. But look, uh, Mexico against USA, Costa Rica, Canada, Panama, Honduras, Jamaica against El Salvador. A lot of action in CONCACAF. All right, let's get back to South America. Uruguay against Peru. Let's talk about the fact that Uruguay, by the way, Jaime, had to say goodbye to uh, somebody that really revolutionized the game, uh, Oscar El Maestro Tavares, and he completely changed it, and he had to say goodbye. Diego Alonso comes in. If you're an MLS fan, especially Inter-Miami, of course, you know a little bit about that, but it did start well, two wins out of two. How do you see this game against Ricardo Garecas, Peru? Uruguay against Peru. First of all, first of all, you say you're nervous, you're sweating, you're wearing the jersey, you've been tweeting... You're wearing the jersey of 81 when you won in, in Montevideo. You've been tweeting the whole morning that here we come. We are going to do it again. So I feel you're a little bit more confident than nervous. I'm I'm split, Jaime. Remember, I'm Peruvian. And uh, yes, there's a lot of blind arrogance, but there's also nerve. So inside of me, there is a man sweating and drenching in sweat. So I have to balance it. I'm very nervous, but at the same time, you got to have hope because without hope, you have nothing, right? But let's talk about this game, Jaime. What do you think? Um, I think that Peru has a, a good chance. Like for, for me, it was very surprising when Ecuador draw in, in Lima. Uh, and I know that that game, Peru had a lot of absences and, and probably that contributed to the, to, the, to the result. But the team with the best momentum in the closing stage of the qualifier is, is Peru. And uh, um one thing it's getting a good result in Montevideo as you did in 2004. Now uh, the other thing is needing to get that result, and that's a, that's the pressure. But mm. you know, I don't think that this Uruguay team is as scary as it looks. Um, you know, Diego Alonso came in; they won both games against who? The two bottom teams. Yeah, true. Um, so this is a, and, and it wasn't easy for them. I think that we were talking about the generations and 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 that this team is is an age team, uh, and that a lot of players are not at the level we, we know them. Like Godin is basically not playing. Suarez is basically not playing. Musleri is coming back from injury. The best player was Pelistri uh, from Alaves, uh, Manchester United loan player. So they really have something else to give to level Peru, and Peru, for me, is one of the most balanced team in South America. They don't have a rock star in every single line, but they have quality players in every single line. Like, there's not a weak spot in Peru. You say, oh, yeah, they are very good attacking, but they defend poorly. Or they have good defensive midfielders, but they don't have strikes. No, Peru is a very balanced team. And when you're a very balanced team, you're very hard to beat. Yeah. I think this matchup is probably going to be one of the most feistiest we're going to see uh, this match day just because of how the point system works and how close they are. Um, and the fact that, you know, Uruguay can clinch their spot in this game, in the first game against Peru before heading to, to Chile. So for them, it's this is the game to win so that they have less pressure on them in that second game. Uh, so it's definitely going to be one of the most aggressive ones also just because of the style of play. Uruguay is probably the most aggressive and feisty team in South America to, to go up against. They're known for it, La Garra Charrua, which is known for how they in that no-die uh, spirit whenever up against any challenge. So expect that for sure, like an all-out war. Um, 
And the importance of it also is you you mentioned you know Suarez, uh, Cavani, but this last qualifier, this last World Cup, pardon for them. It's this is this is the last the last go at it uh, for these world class players. So, you know, you'll see a lot from Suarez uh, if he plays. Uh, Cavani, Matt, uh, did you did you mention if he, Jaime is he going to play or not? Uh, Suarez. That's that. Uh... <laughs> There is a myth, there is a rumor okay. that says that that, that uh, Simeone convinced him to be on the bench because okay. he will be fitter to play for Uruguay. So it would be a shocking for him if he doesn't play. Like, yeah, yeah. how do you convince Luis Suarez to, to sit on the bench uh, yeah. on yeah. Champions That's game, very, maybe? only only Cholo Simeone would, yeah, would dare crazy. say that. Yeah. We're, we're going to protect you because, you, you know, you have two tough games in South America. <laughs> we're going to protect you because we are on your side. And he will sit in the bench with a big smile. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, but just to lean a bit on the former Inter Miami coach uh, Diego Alonso, it's been incredible to see what he has done to, you know, reignite that flame for for Uruguay. You know, previous to this with Tavares, they were they were going down. They were not finding their rhythm. They had the players, but like, you know, obviously not in the streamline like Peru does, like you mentioned, but. The way that he's able to flip the switch and ignite that energy back into the Uruguayan side has has been incredible. And just uh, a fact I hear I have here noted that I saw last night. Um, under Tavares, they were on a four-game losing streak and only mm-hmm. managed to score a goal, one goal, while conceding 11 in those five matches. Now in the last two matches, Uruguay won and scored five goals and conceded only one again. So the way that he's flipped the switch for this Uruguayan side, uh, it's a, it was a very nice way to hiring a coach that could really make an impact from a legend that had literally ruled Uruguay for many, many years. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a very good point, though. I do remind everybody that it was against Paraguay and it was against Venezuela. So I think there is still a test to yeah. be done. By the way, Matias Vecino reported out? out due to COVID. Uh, Inter Milan are, are going through a bit of an issue with COVID, Lautaro Martinez as well. And we have to watch out. We'll talk about Chile in a second. But final thoughts. On, on this game. I didn't go too hard on Peru. I'm just going to tell you this. Exactly what Jaime said. There is no superstar in the Peruvian national team. There's only one collective giant. And if they come together, anything can happen. But this Uruguayan side is going to be is going to be tough. And like Melly said, this is going to be a physical game for sure. No, and, and that's, that, that for me is a big question. Like what, what, what Melly points out, and, and if you connect what Melly points out and what I, what I pointed out, and, and you put that the two games that we have as a reference is uh, Paraguay and Venezuela. It really gives us a lot of information and a lot of thoughts, but we really, really at the end, we don't know if they can do it against a better team or that it doesn't matter that those teams were not good teams. Right. They already recovered. And that's for me, the biggest doubt coming to this game. Yeah. We will be definitely the most intriguing one to figure out as fourth plays fifth. And by the way, obviously, as uh, it was mentioned and our producer, Darius Norris, reminds us uh, the hosts of Uruguay can clinch uh, yeah. You know, if, if they get a good result here as well. So we'll see what happens. And Peru close out at home against Paraguay. So that's a big one too. Let's finish uh, with Chile. Listen, Chile has been a, a very interesting story. This is in many ways the end of the golden generation. Arturo Vidal, Alexis Sanchez, Isla, of course, uh, Gary Medel and all those players and stuff. And that's kind of pretty much what the philosophy was from Lasarte was to bring back all these people, Claudio Bravo, et cetera. You know, so it's interesting to see how this will do. A few updates, by the way, we don't know yet. They're a cult hero 
Lancashire-born Ben Brereton Diaz uh, with an English parent and a Chilean one who's uh, just so popular in Chile, but he hasn't played a game for Blackburn Rovers since February. Uh, he has traveled to Chile, but we don't know yet how he will be used, and that's a massive thing. And obviously, the mountain they have to climb, Melissa Ortiz, because they have to face Brazil. Hmm. Nobody has ever beaten Brazil in qualifiers at home, so they have to do it. Uh, and also, we have to wait to see what happens with Alexis Sanchez and Arturo Vidal because they are part of that Inter Milan squad that uh, is going through some COVID issues. Talk to me about this game, by the way, as they face Brazil and then they end it with Uruguay. And that's Ben Brereton Diaz. <laughs> big Ben, big Ben, as they say. Um, you, you mentioned the mountain that they have to climb. Well, this mountain they've had to climb this entire time. I mean, to be completely honest with you, and I was covering these World Cup qualifiers on, on Fubo for the World Cup qualifiers, uh, sorry, the, the the television broadcast, and I had them written off literally like six months ago already. <laughs> but man, they sure proved me wrong and many people wrong. And they have literally turned things around for sure and placed themselves in the last six matches. They've really positioned themselves in this fight to be in it. Because if they were still at that at that point, they were six months ago, they wouldn't be in this position. And yeah. it's 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 surprising, but it's also I applaud them because these are, you know, they have top players, Claudio Bravo, Alexis Sanchez, uh, Marisa Isla, uh, Arangis, and they've literally gone all out to put themselves in this position to say, hey, this is do or die. Uh, this is our last chance. But it's left to these last two games that you said away at Brazil, and then home to Uruguay, which is, I think, out of all these matches, definitely the toughest path to <laughs> qualifying to the World Cup. And, yeah. you know, uh, to win in Brazil against Brazil uh, is not going to be an easy task, obviously, based on facts of history that has never happened before. Uh, and if I had to, let's say, bet on this, I I, I don't think they will do it uh, just based on Brazil's history. But again, uh, this is their life on on the line. Uh, and if Ben Bereton is back, he's gonna he's gonna add that extra energy into the life of the Chileans. It's a very difficult situation for Chile, and I'm not talking just about going to Brazil and the, the position they are. Uh, we have been talking about the golden generations, and the biggest difference with Chile and Colombia and Uruguay is that Uruguay and Colombia made it to the last World Cup. So you can understand why they have doubts and making this swap. Mm. Chile didn't make it. It's a team that fell short. Then you go and you see that the Chilean teams performing in the Copa Libertadores and Copa Sudamericana. They have terrible performance. They haven't, since the, the, the format changed in 2017, non-Chilean team had reached the round of 16. They're not producing players. They are still, they, they, they went to Europe to see who has a passport that can play. Burton is an amazing player, but it's, a very unusual thing in South America to go Completely. see who can so unusual. So yeah. unusual. So so they are desperate. Um they get a part on the calendar. Let's don't forget that South America canceled the qualifiers last last March and they postponed it and we played in triple headers in, in October. Well, in those triple header, Chile got two times Venezuela and one time Paraguay. So they go nine out of nine, and that put them back in contention. But they have only beaten Venezuela and Paraguay twice and a game against Bolivia. That's why they are in this position. So 
they are really, really, really in a tough position, not because of the points, because I don't think they have anything to show against the two teams that they are fighting to. Yeah, and to Melly's point, the path is so difficult, especially with Brazil, because you just don't know how you could see this, how you could see them going uh, and going ahead. There's a last point, Melly, on Chile. If you had one before we get into the final thoughts. Uh, no, I think I think you guys summed it up pretty much. I mean, there's <laughs> well, not you much. started it, Melly, and, and I think it went that way. I don't think they have much uh, of a chance. I'm sorry to our Chilean friends, but let's do something fun before we do final thoughts. All right. We already know Brazil and Argentina are through. That's already set. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's uh, just pretend uh, for the sake of our conversation that Ecuador are already there as well. So that means that you have one and a half spots left, one automatic spot. And the fifth one, of course, is the intercontinental playoff. How does it end up? If you were to guess here, Melissa, let's go with you oh first. Oh my gosh, you had to go yes. with me first. You have to, you have to what choose. What we think or what we want. Okay, well, let's let's do heart and mind. Let's say what you want, (laughs) Melissa. Let's say what you think. Maybe they're the same thing, but I don't know. Go ahead, Melissa. All right, I'm looking at this table right now. So yeah, and our producer Desnoris can put it up on the on the screen once again. It's Brazil, Argentina already through Ecuador, of course. Then you have Uruguay, and then you have Peru, Chile, and Colombia with 17 points, and that's it. Here you have it. All right, Melissa, what do you have here? If you're to say who makes it, Ecuador, let's say they're there. It's about Uruguay, Peru, Chile, Colombia. What's going on? Uh, what do you have to do this to me? So what I want is obviously Colombia to to qualify. So we'll slip them into the playoff. Okay, the playoff. so who gets the automatic? Uh... Uruguay, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Luis Miguel. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Uruguay gets the automatic, and Colombia gets the intercontinental. It's what do you think is going to happen, Melissa? Is it the same as what your heart wants? But my body. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go. Yeah, if I, what I think is going to happen, I don't think Colombia will qualify. Uh, okay. which sucks to say that. Uh, but I would put, that's a tough battle, uh, between Peru and Chile. I think, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to keep as, as is actually, uh, as is literally as is clinching. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Now we're, now we're friends again, Melissa Ortiz. That's fine. Jaime Macias, talk to me. All right. You can even include Ecuador. Come on. They're in. No. No, Ecuador is in. Uh, okay, so give me the give me yeah. the automatic spot and the intercontinental fifth place. Uruguay is the fourth. Okay, that's easy. And this answer nobody have given to you in this show. Okay. Between Peru and Colombia, yeah. whoever scores first on Tuesday. Okay, oh. so who's so so you're giving it to me about a scoreline, whoever's going. And by the way, everybody, a good reminder, thanks to Jaime's point, all these games, apart from Argentina's game against Venezuela on Friday, all these games on Thursday are at the same time, 7.30 Eastern, because Conmebol just wants chaos uh, straight away. So whoever scores first, Jaime Macias, out of Peru and Colombia will get that spot. Yeah, because okay. um, you're closing against... Paraguay in Lima. Correct. And Paraguay, it's not scoring goals, has a worse record than Colombia. Yeah. But it's tough to beat. And Peru's biggest enemy is Peru. So, especially at home. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
You know the pressure, the pressure, the pressure that's gonna be in Lima if that day Colombia score first. Oh, yeah. forget it. And yeah. and we we're set up for this game to to win it uh, against Bolivia, right? In it's Colombia, good, yeah. and it's not just Bolivia. Like Bolivia and Bolivia is a whole other team. The Bolivia away, uh, or if we're hosting it, right? To yeah. better say that, but it's a Bolivia that is rostering a mostly a U23 squad, okay? So keep no, factor that in. This should be in. a win for Colombia, and it should yeah. be an early goal for Colombia, yeah. Yes. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. wait. No, wait, wait. <laughs> We're confusing. No. Oh, you're um, talking the second I'm, game. I'm, yeah, I'm counting the Colombia win. Ah, okay, okay. I'm counting the Colombia wins against yeah. Bolivia. With all the respect to our Bolivian friends, I'm counting the What Jaime is saying is, uh, you know, this Excuse is really me. dependent on the final matches uh, yeah. of next week. Right. Gotcha. So, so Colombia has Venezuela. Is that yeah. correct? They haven't Peru, been Venezuela away since 96. And Peru has Great. Paraguay. So it's that game, whoever scores first. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot, Jaime, for giving us chaos. Now I'm just going to be thinking about that Literally. the whole time. <laughs> I mean, every every time I I I, I get uh, the Peruvian food, I, I always say I'm going to send a picture to Luis. I say no, it's it's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it because we have the best food in the world. I'm sorry to say. All right. That is the end of the show. A tremendous show. Melissa Ortiz, thank you so much. Anything that you want to add? Final thoughts. It doesn't have to be anything about something. Anything that you want to plug? We've already mentioned some other things that you said. Kickoff coffee, of course. You're hosting Kegola. Uh, Ke not Kegola, so that's our show, but you're hosting the watch party at Paramount Plus at NYC. Anything else? What's going on with you? Yeah, uh, follow Kickoff Coffee Company. Uh, like you mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's a coffee company I co-started a year ago. And it's if you love coffee and soccer, you definitely love our top quality coffee. And guess what? All the show listeners get 15% off by Woo! using... Yeah, by using the code GOLASO15, GOLASO with a Z, of course, 15 uh, at the checkout. So kickoffcoffeeco.com. And for me, I am five, a lot of cool soccer content. So thanks for having me on the show. I love it. I love it. Don't forget that promo code. I'm sure uh, you can also see it, obviously, on our YouTube uh, episode as well. Jaime Macias, so much to do as well. Fútbol Infinito, MLS en Español, Tercer Arquero. Where can we, what else? What, what's going on with you, Jaime, before we say goodbye? I'm with the book now. Like I published my book. Uh, it's, uh, the, the translation is Third Choice Goalkeeper. Uh, and, and basically, it's, it's a journey through soccer and journalists um, experiences that I live, one of some of them happened on my head. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the title is Third Choice Goalkeeper because I, I think uh, I was the third cho choice goalkeeper of a professional team at an age, at, at an age where your head it started like molding, like around 17, 18, 19. And, and I could not imagine my career and my journey without living that experience at that time of my life. So that's that's the name. And you're going to see Aston Villa stuff over there because uh, in South America, we discover uh, English football with that Aston Villa who had Juan Pablo Ángel, Norberto Solano, and Ulises de la Cruz. I think we all connect to that team. Absolutely. The South America Aston Villa of the yeah. of the yesteryear. I love it. Uh, and make sure that you follow, by the way, Jaime F. Macias on Twitter and Meli Ortiz. I believe your handle is Melissa M. Ortiz. So perfect right there, both on Twitter, of course, and follow all their content. Jaime, it's been an absolute pleasure. Muchísimas gracias. Thank you so much, my friend. 
Thank you very much, guys. A pleasure talking uh, with you about soccer and about anything, really. Absolutely. <laughs> Melissa Good Ortiz. Luck, always Good luck, y'all. Good luck, y'all. <laughs> yeah, he, he was very careful about that. But Meli, muchas gracias. Thank you so much, Meli. Appreciate you. We, you we, we have all done previews the whole week in different content. But you can imagine what soccer world will be Friday morning. Like, oh. all these predictions are not going to be accurate. Like, something's going to happen in Europe. Something's going to happen in South America. Something's going to happen in Asia. Like, it, we're going to be like this Friday morning. Yeah, 100%. We might, be, we might be holding our heads, maybe for the results, but also a little bit hungover. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I think yeah. so. Uh, well, you know, well, wish me luck then if I have to host an early show yeah. the next day. But thank you to Jaime Macias, Melissa Ortiz. I'm LME, que golazo. This has been your South America World Cup qualifying preview. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Kego Lasso Pod, youtube.com forward slash Kego Lasso, CBS Sports, and your CBS Sports app. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the international break. And if you are South American, especially Chilean, Colombian, Uruguayan, Peruvian, I'm with you and I pray together with you. Have a great, great rest of your day. We'll see you next time. Till then. <laughs>